and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 102. It begins with Ripley seeing Jones and ends with Mother saying, The ship will automatically... And we don't hear the rest of it. So once again, we are joined by Kansas City Art Institute instructor and curator of their Film Sofa series, Aaron Hamerbeck. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for coming back on... This wonderful Tuesday. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely Tuesday today. I want to say it's specifically for a Tuesday. Radio it's magic. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, All right. this ship's making an awful lot of noise. It's starting to, yeah, it's starting to rattle around a little bit. It's definitely screaming at her to get out of there. Do we want to talk about that? Why your ship would scream and vent and smoke and shake and yeah. well, blast heat everywhere? Uh, yeah, as this minute goes along... We're getting, you know, visual representations of the uh, destruction of the ship, impending destruction of the ship, which I think is great. I think it actually works. Uh, you you do want to see changes happening around her, not just have these alarms, these klaxons going off, and mother reminding her all the time. We need something visceral, but um, it, it calls the question that by the end of this minute. Ship spewing fire at her. <laughs> what in the world? Anybody got a logical explanation Who builds for why a ship that? like that? <laughs> Are there fire vents built in to the corridors there? I mean, how where is this coming from? I would have thought it would have been all bottling up inside some central core, you know, and the pressure right. would actually be building as opposed to be being released. But right. this is this is really nerdy and stupid, like talking about totally. this. But you know, it's, that's, a, it's what we do. It's a nerdy show, Mitch. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's interesting because, like, with the uh, with the space shuttle, um, there was there was actually no way for uh, NASA to detonate the shuttle itself. Um, when you know, if, if the space shuttle were to, you know, tip forward um, on launch and start coming down towards Florida, um, they the the only way to really kind of detonate the ship was through the rockets themselves, and so. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, why would you have, uh, the, uh, self-destruct mechanism on the Nostromo? Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I kind of think of the end of Battlestar Galactica that was so important for them to show Galactica falling apart. I mean, literally like it's just slogging along as opposed to at the end of Star Trek Voyager. And this, all of this shows my, <laughs> my extreme nerdy nerdiness. Voyager comes back uh, from the Delta Quadrant and it's pristine. <laughs> it's just fine. And it really should have been just as banged up as, <laughs> as the Nostromo, you know, it's yeah. like, it, or as, as Battlestar Galactica. So, I mean, it is interesting. Like, why is it, why is it shooting fire? You know, is it just so that we, you know, if we don't know any better, we're just like, wow, it's shooting fire. It really must be about to blow up. <laughs> blow right. up. Yeah. yeah. I will, I will see your Voyager reference <laughs> and we'll go to Star Trek three search for spot and i will raise you a search <laughs> for spot you. because because to get back to the question of the fire so when the uh you know when the klingons board the enterprise and kirk has set the self-destruct yes well by the time you see fire or explosions that's the klingons know it's over mm-hmm. like that's the ship blowing up and then we cut to the external shot and the panels flying off and yeah. what have i done <laughs> um in this case, the fire is no in no way an indication. The the ship is spewing fire. It is in no way an indication of the ship blowing up yet. It's still not even gotten to the point of self-destruct. So you would think that 
venting fire and fume like Mitch was saying. That would actually be helpful maybe to the situation. <laughs> I don't know. So all for the sake of spectacle. All It, it all comes back to we have this nerdy conversation way- where Star Trek is mentioned twice. And it just comes back to we needed we needed visceral images of the ship falling apart. Every time the Star Trek panels would explode and smoke and spark in the yeah. old show, it's like, wow, wow, <laughs> that's how it works, huh? Well, it it had to be though, right? You could, what? How else would you show if you only had people rocking back and forth on a set? That's just not enough. No, you true. need a little bit more danger on sparks. that bridge. Sparks are always good. Sparks, sparks and smoke. Sparks yeah. are the friend of science fiction. Well, we should also talk, I guess, a little bit about poor old Jones. <laughs> who's, who's, uh, Jones gets so oh, knocked Jones. around. Jones oh. is in a different place when when she comes to, to get him because he was at her feet, basically, in the stroby side-eye have to space, so, yeah. right? She's, he's not there anymore. He's well, somewhere she, else. When we were talking with Christoph about this last week, um, we know Ripley comes to the corner. Ripley gives the side-eye. She slowly creeps down the side of the the wall, and you could only assume we don't see what she does with Jones, but you can only assume she just like lets go of Jones on the floor and walks away. So Jones should be right there on the corner, and then we see a quick shot of the alien leaning in and checking out Jones, and then we cut away back to Ripley running down the corridor. Well, in the director's cut, uh, maybe the originally intended beat that's supposed to happen there is the alien sniffs at Jones, apparently does not find Jones satisfactory, and violently slaps jones away so when we get to this moment in this in the original cut jones seems to be on the other end of the corridor as as he would be after having been slapped away so what do you think about the choice here like this is what we always talk about when we get to these directors cut they shot this why cut it out originally uh, we don't even have to talk about why they put it in later. But. Well, does it look stupid? Because I haven't I seen the director's cut in a long time. Does it does it make the alien seem um, smaller and less less terrifying, more 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 human, uh, petty? I don't know. I don't know if it really says anything about the character of the alien. Yeah. As much as maybe you know, in the original cut, they did. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it, is the cat of any interest to the alien? No. That's what I think that the the original intention would have been, was to show that. But Mitch, you've talked about, and other guests have talked about this idea back then of, of instilling this idea in the audience that Jones and the alien might have a relationship with some kind, or maybe the alien did somehow implant, you know, somehow Jones is implanted or whatever. Maybe that was something they were fostering at the time. Everybody really was saying, weren't. it's in the cat, it's in the cat, you know, yeah. so... Well, I mean, the cat is a natural predator, just as the alien is a predator, and maybe he sees that. You know, he sees humans as prey, um, and the cat is maybe... I, I don't know. I always thought that, like, Jones and the alien were in cahoots because of that scene with Brett, um, you know, where the cat watches as he's carried off. You know, in that creepy lighting, and the cat is just so still and sinister and... I don't know. I just always kind of thought that <laughs> that's, they... <laughs> that's the, making the assumption then that the cat is actually hissing at Brett and not at the alien. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> maybe, yeah. You know what? We, we've talked about that moment in different ways, but maybe it was a moment of clarity for Jones. Maybe Jones has been, I live with these people. They feed me. They change my litter box. Oh, but they're just so, ugh. I got to read Humans. that book. I just got to read the book and find out. But then they're, they <laughs> I haven't read the book. Maybe this is the twist. Maybe in it. it's in the book. But maybe that moment comes, and Jones isn't a big fan of the alien, like scary, want to get away from it. 
sees it hisses. But that moment when the alien kills Brett, Jones maybe goes, oh, you can do that. Why? Oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and maybe that was the moment of clarity where where Jones goes, yeah, I'm down with this alien. So in that moment, in the original cut, when they meet each other, it's a moment of like, yeah, we've met before. We're cool. They're huddling, right. they're hu- they're huddling up to figure out what's going to happen next. It's strange Maybe. because, like, whenever I see like an animal in a in a horror film, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, the Lady in Black. Is that the with Harry Potter in it? Yeah, with Harry I've Potter. never seen it, but I know which one. You're There's talking. a scene where he goes to the the haunted house and he's got a little dog with him, and so the entire time you're freaked out for the dog. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, you you you're kind of like more hypersensitive to the dog. I think in the same way, in Aliens, we're really hypersensitive to Newt. Um, you know, this poor little innocent child being, you know, alone in this horrible place where you know she sees all of her family and friends killed. Um, and it's, it's odd, you know, for me, it would be like having a scene where Newt has this sense of clarity of Newt, like, you know, just one shot of her looking at the alien and just being like, Oh, okay. But it is odd to, you know, have Jones with the alien and he, the alien looks in Jones pet cat uh, carrier in the original cut and does nothing, doesn't try to eat Jones or. It could be like a little snack for his, his ride. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if when they chose to cut it back in, and, you know, there's so much mythology in Alien, in the Alien universe between 1979 and 2003. Maybe informed by that, they decided there was more to say by having the alien be disinterested in the in the cat. Maybe, I don't know enough about it to know, but there, there's a decision there to put it back in. And really, was it more than just, eh, Oh, uh, this will be a funny moment where they looking for a little laugh there. So this is, in a way, this is director's cut as retconning. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, I'm hearing more recently, it's, I guess, as of the posting of this episode, it's not so recent, but um, somebody did mention that Ridley Scott has somewhat disavowed the director's cut of Alien and said that it was really just a, pull, it was just marketing. It was just uh-huh. trying to make a few extra bucks, bucks off of it, so... So maybe a lot of the stuff we've said about his intentions with the director's cut, maybe it's not really so much of a director's cut uh, in actuality. As a, but, as a, as a crude marketing right. gimmick. Yeah. yeah. I, but, I wouldn't be surprised. So it could be ret- franchise retconning. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what it's saying, though. I, I, I don't like it. I don't think it matters. It's It's a really insignificant little change, but there's a lot of those in the director's cut, I say with quotes. Well, we can move forward then, um, leaving that behind as she grabs the cat carrier, right? And then we've got a, got some. I want to say this: we've got some fine focus pulling going on by Adrian Biddle in this moment when she when she grabs the um, cat carrier and goes back up the corridor, and the camera's not moving. They're fo- they're pulling focus on that, and it's it's very nicely done. So, big well, ups to Adrian Biddle. Adrian Biddle, one of the great focus pullers gotta be <laughs> this entire movie it's from the true. first it's true from the first shots of the interior of the nostromo the sh- focus pulling's insanely good it's part of what gives the, the whole movie a texture mm-hmm. like you're constantly coming in and out getting the, the texture of the ship and you're getting uh, good job adrian way to go so we're now dollying back with her is that right is this is this the crazy shot where the smoke's everywhere and she runs through the corridor and the yep and the you can see the guy well, in the, behind the door you know i was going to say one last note about jones maybe the choice to cut that alien slap in jones was just a maybe because ripley 
it's so hard on Jones. <laughs> Maybe oh, it was that yes. would have been doubling up a little bit if, if we would have seen Jones get slapped by the alien and then Ripley picking up Jones and running violently with him so much. Maybe that would have, they just decided that would be too much because like she is three times. I think. Oh my god, she's like tossing like you can just imagine. We talked, I think, with, with Christoph a little bit, didn't we, about how they had to probably like consciously leave the cat sounds out because surely she'd be <laughs> Jones would be in there screaming. going. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, she's running down this corridor, and there's a funny little moment. Right. Yeah, and if you just if you watch, you can see um, a door very quickly open and close, and it's it's uh, one of the crew trying to get out of the shot and pulling this panel shut, and <laughs> you can freeze frame, and you can see the st- the C stand, and you can see the light unit, and and uh, but it doesn't matter because it's just one more bunch of flashy light as she's running through this it's... crazy dark place. But it's just funny that it's there. It's one of those little things that that you can spot, and I think on one of the commentaries. Uh, the director mentions that and said that the studio was worried that they should cut it out. And he was like, nobody's going to know what that is. I mean, to this day, we just watched it. Yeah. I think it's fine. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's Even knowing, fine. Fully knowing what... what it is, it's fun to just sort of see that and go, oh, wow, that's, that's it interesting. It is. It's fun. And then knowing what it is, it doesn't, it's no detriment at all. There, you know, that C stand, that's Brett's C stand. And he sets up a light in that corridor. The lights were out. It's work lights. That day, it's a yeah, work it's light. It's a work light. Yeah. That panel closing it's a little dynamic little bit of something happening but it's very believable i mean yeah. i don't have any just problem forgot, with it at all forgot to lock it and the ship is rattling around so yeah. much it's just flapping oh, yeah. Yeah. open yeah. and closed like exactly. a tornado or something so that's one of those like f- you know flubbed moments whatever you want to call it that's not a problem at all even with full knowledge of it it doesn't doesn't bother me one bit but we do get belching fire in the next shot yeah as so, it's a it's a nice dolly back really through the corridor as ripley closes the door behind her and comes in to try to get into the shuttle and it's really belching fire now so we're back into the airlock um what do you call it like staging room yeah this is almost the exact shot it's just occurring to me now this is almost the exact shot pre-dallas's entrance into the air vet right where we pull back so is that is Wait, ash and ripley in the narcissist when that no I don't when think they're waiting so. no but i don't think so it's just that it's a every entryway in that room there's there's airlocks and then there's one that leads to the narcissist I guess and my, but it's my almost guess the same would, shot my guess would be that it's a you know it's another it's it's either a panel that's being reused a flat that's been you know a door section that's been reused or else mm-hmm. they just made multiples of it yeah uh, but it's good because it's familiar you know despite all of the smoke and fire and all that other stuff it's like for one minute we're back in a well lit Nostromo mm-hmm. from that just that passage from there to get to the edge of the of the shuttle and and we're now to the shuttle and this is only the second time we've been to the shuttle right yeah I mean Dallas was in there listening to Mozart and that's the only other time we've seen the shuttle and we haven't really got that good of a view of it so we're gonna we're gonna get that too which is which is pretty cool we're gonna actually get to see the inside of of the shuttle yeah and I think seeing these shots used over and over again, you know, these parts of the ship um, really kind of help because the Nostromo is so huge. You know, like we talked about how, you know, it's the size of a city. Um, but the the claustrophobia of this movie is so um, palpable. And I think that reusing these like narrow corridor shots and seeing them again um, makes it seem like it's smaller, um, you know, because I mean, they, you know, they could have done big, huge sweeping um, rooms and and these types of things, but these narrow corridors that we re-see um, really kind of I think adds to that that chilling claustrophobia coffin like um, atmosphere of this of this horror. Definitely. So this final shot, right? We've got uh, 
we've got a handheld shot looking into the shuttle once again. Mm -hmm. Very, We'll come back to that shot in the next minute, but it's the first kind of reveal of what the shuttle looks like, and she begins to edge her way in to the shuttle that brings us to the end of this minute. Anybody have any other thoughts about minute 102? Yeah, I just I, I just wanted to say that I think, you know, for, for the, all the complexity of Sigourney Weaver's acting in this moment, you know, and, and her authenticity, she is incredibly badass. I mean, for it, it's it's tough to pull off badass with a pet carrier and permed bangs, and her hair falls <laughs> down um, halfway through. Uh, I I don't know why. I always I I always like glom on to that moment where her hair falls out of that bun she has it up in, and it starts to fall down into the '80s do that she she rocks so yeah. heartily in this film. She really does pull it off i mean in a way that i i don't know i i think that that's why sigourney weaver is so thoroughly used in science fiction you know i mean she's she's an avatar and ghostbusters but you know she she's also in um uh, galaxy quest oh yeah as i forgot kind about of, that of course yeah, as kind of yeah. the jokingly you know bimbo blonde you know i've got one job on this lousy ship and i'm gonna do it um you know she's but she can carry off um, this really kind of palpable, serious survivor instinct. So even though, like, you know, we're, we're getting into this huge climactic showdown with the alien and the escape pod, I fully, I've always believed that she's going to make it out alive, you know? I just, I really believe in my heart that she's going to be fine. Do you think that a uh, hundred years from now, when people are looking back at, at movies of the late 20th century, they will think of Sigourney Weaver in terms of genre movies the way that we think about, I don't know, uh, uh, some particular actress who was in a lot of film noirs like Gloria Graham, for example. Yeah. We, and Gloria Graham made lots of other kinds of movies, but we sort of we always think about her in terms of film noir. I wonder if 100 years from now, yeah. I'd never really thought about that, but she really is this this kind of iconic genre actress. Well, not... she, yeah, she trained since. Like, not only is she present in the original incarnations of some of these things, but then she actually recurs. So, yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about similarities, Tim, um, or at least the the alien using tropes from Star Trek. Like we talked way long time ago about whether they were trying to make Ripley the Ahura of the Nostromo mm -hmm. kind of fool you into thinking she was that and then she turns around and she plays the Ahura in Galaxy Quest. Mm -hmm. She's in Ghostbusters. She's in Ghostbusters for a moment, the the reboot. She's in Paul, the uh Simon Pegg. Oh yeah, film, that's right. I forgot about that. Where she's used and and Blythe Danner's character literally says, "Get away from her, you bitch." To her, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I think that yeah, Mitch. I think in both ways. Not only is she iconic in the original versions, but they've they've kind of reaffirmed that iconography within her career by her recurring. And we talked a little bit about with uh, her being the voice in Pixar movies, like in mm -hmm. Finding Dory and so on. So yeah, I do think so, and I think she would be without that. I think it's really, if you just look at Alien, the Alien franchise, that's going to, there's no other female character in that franchise for reasons we could talk about all day long, but there's no other female character in in a in that genre that is as representative as she is, and she's so perfect and natural. I, I just don't know who else could have done this. Uh, it Maybe there's somebody, there's no way to imagine it now. Yeah, because I mean, like Katie Sackoff would have probably ta taken it to bat to that badass too, level. It well, would be too. I mean, it, as yeah. as beautifully as she plays, um, uh, Starbucks. Starbucks. 
<laughs> Starbucks. I mean, you know, with the complexity of Starbucks, and you know, it it's more of like a pronoun switching role. You know, that I, yeah. I realized that it was originally a male role, and you know, when we talked about how the um, the early version or like the very first version of the script alien had Ripley as a male character but you know they very quickly changed it to a female character and it isn't just a pronoun switching thing you know I mean it it's important that it's played by a female um and for lots of reasons I mean for you know the the gender you know the the birthing and the you know the the fact that it's really kind of obsessed with um you know creation and that type of thing that you know it's it's important that that character be a female um and she plays it beautifully and plays it authentically not as this sort of like ball breaker you know yeah. it's sort of a stereotype um right. yeah she plays a crew member mm -hmm. yeah and and yeah. that's really all she needed to be and then she behaves as a, in a way that any of us would or you would hope any of us would um she doesn't she doesn't behave in a movie way she mm -hmm. doesn't elevate to some level of of movie badass superhero ever and we can relate to her and that's it, it, you know i wonder if someone else played the role maybe they would have taken it there i don't know maybe ridley scott would have had an instinct to take another character there because maybe then or another actor there because that actor couldn't quite pull it off the way sigourney did so you got to take elevate it there the same way he does gives her little bits of help with the composition of a shot here and there which is subtle but he could have over-directed her. I think. I really think Sigourney Weaver, I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but I think she's the reason why this all works. I think it's just her natural ability and character that made that work. I don't want to see an alien movie without her. No. No. That's um, why Prometheus is so blech. One of many reasons. It's so <laughs> There's blech. a lot of reasons yeah. why. Lots, yeah. lots of reasons. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I don't have anything else for this minute. Anyone else nope. have anything else? Let's get on to the next All one. Right. Well, find us at AlienMinute.com, as usual. Uh, you can also find us at Instagram. Uh, that's Alien Minute Podcast. Twitter at Alien Minute Pod. Uh, come over to our Facebook page and check us out there and join in the conversation. Um, you can also come over to the Tee Public page, get a T-shirt or a mug or a notebook or whatever you like. Flamethrower. Uh, I hear we're going to have alien flamethrowers. <laughs> I'm not supposed I, to tell that. I wasn't supposed to that drop was that yet. Kids yeah. Well, hopefully by the time this episode airs, we'll actually have the Alien Minute logo flamethrowers in the T-Public uh, store. Okay, well, that's going to do it for Minute 102. Let's move on to Minute 103 tomorrow.